This episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast is sponsored by the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. As a woman in the modern world, our hormones are taking a battering. They're impacted by the food we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, such as when we eat out of plastic takeaway containers, or even worse, reheat food in them. Please don't do this. If you're handling FPOS receipts, filling the car with fuel, eating non-organic produce that hasn't been washed effectively, plus so much more things add to our toxic load every day. Even though our bodies are designed to effectively manage toxins, they haven't evolved as quickly as our toxic world has, unfortunately. So our body does need support. Symptoms such as stubborn weight gain, fatigue, disrupted periods, irritability, and gut health issues can be a sign that you'd benefit from a gentle detox. And that's why I developed the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. This free guide has an abundance of information to get you started on your very own DIY detox. And if you'd like to upgrade to VIP, it's only $47 for a limited time. I used to sell this program for $247. The upgrade gives you the recipes, including plenty of uh, plant-based options, the meal planner, the shopping list template, the video workshop, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more now. Take care of your hormones. They are a critical part of your health as a woman. Welcome to the Wellness Glow Podcast. My name is Susie Garden, anti-aging naturopath and nutritionist, founder of the Glow Protocol, and I help women feeling stressed, flat, and older than they'd like regain their youthful energy and glow. Anti-aging is an inside job, and I know for sure that we can use specific foods, movement, mindset techniques, and build stress resilience to reduce our biological age and look and feel younger in our bodies and minds, as well as potentially lengthening our lifespan. I'm here to be your guide to the latest in anti-aging and longevity research so that you can learn and apply simple techniques to reduce skin wrinkles, body pain, gut issues, improve your energy, and have your skin glowing with health. And I'm not even exaggerating. So if you're struggling with stress, fatigue, brain fog, weight gain, perimenopause, and feel like you've tried everything, then get ready to let go of everything you think you know. It's time to forget all the strategies that haven't worked for you before and join me as I share what actually does work. I have a down-to-earth approach and make the science seem simple and actionable. I know that the knowledge and insights I share can change your life and the way that you approach your health, and I'm excited to help you glow. Let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellness Glow podcast. This week, I'm kind of straying away from the little series I've been doing on stress to talk about coffee, because a lot of people turn to coffee to manage stress. And there's been a really uh, a new article that's just come out. It's from the American College of Cardiology, which is a really well-regarded journal. And it's a study that looked at the impact of coffee on the heart. So I thought I'd have a chat to you about that today because I like to keep things cutting edge and current as much as I can. And I just know from my experience in clinic that My clients, one of their biggest fears is that I'm going to say to them, 
no more coffee. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. I love coffee and there are a number of different health benefits that we see with coffee. In fact, I read a study, oh gosh, it was a few years ago now that said that in the United States, for example, coffee was the source of the majority of the antioxidants that Americans consume, which is pretty full on. Antioxidants are really important. So coffee is, and just economically, it's really important for many, many countries. There's so many great things about coffee. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it today. So I don't know whether you've ever noticed if you have a cup of coffee that your heart rate increases. So If you haven't noticed this before, it might be worth just doing a little experiment on yourself. And next time you're going to have a cup of coffee before you have your first mouthful, just take your pulse. And then after you've finished your coffee, take your pulse again and see what it is. I actually did this um, with my blood pressure machine because it also increases blood pressure. And I checked my husband and my own blood pressure after, I think it was immediately after we had a cup of coffee and seriously I could not believe how quickly our blood pressure went up and so I thought that was really interesting and you know if you're taking things like coffee it's a stimulant puts your blood pressure up puts your heart rate up there is concern and certainly lots of doctors recommend that if you have heart issues that you reduce your coffee or you stop your coffee. And this is a new study that actually was investigating that because it is such common advice that's given to patients that have heart issues. So this study is the largest study to look at coffee's potential role in heart disease and death. Um, And it was a really big study. So this was looking at people's health information and looked at half a million people half a million people. So it was massive. And they looked at it over a period of 10 years. Because of course, when you're looking at longevity in people, you need to look for long periods of time. That can be really, really expensive to do it as a placebo controlled trial. So doing it by looking at health information is a much more economical way of doing a study. And half a million people over 10 years is pretty full on. And so what they looked at was coffee intake from up to one cup a day to more than five cups a day. So they they kind of stratified the data into um, the amount of coffee consumption, not just random coffee consumption. And what was really interesting is they actually were able to control this study for things like exercise, for alcohol consumption, for smoking, for diabetes, and for high blood pressure. So they basically standardized the data and took all of those little factors out of the equation so that they would know whether or not it was actually the coffee that was providing a benefit or actually providing um, uh, a problem for people because they were looking at it from both sides and they did a number of, um, different ways of looking at this data. And what was really interesting is that half of the, um, the data that they were looking at was for women. Women, I don't know if you know this, but women are way, way underrepresented in or underrepresented in clinical trials. 
And one of, this is a real problem because it means there's a, the, technically speaking, a lot of the data that we look at in health, technically, you, you, if you really go and by the letter of the law, a lot of that data doesn't really trans, necessarily transfer across to women. So obviously to a certain extent. But the reason a lot of the time women are excluded from trials is just because of the hormonal fluctuations that we have that men don't have. And, you know, I talked before about standardizing for things like, you know, exercise, alcohol, smoking, etc. Um, when women have such hormonal fluctuations, as you can imagine, if you're wanting to remove confounding factors, it's, it is kind of difficult if, you know, you don't know what a woman's estrogen is or progesterone is on a day-to-day basis. And you don't know if that's influencing the outcome of the trial. But anyway, that's an aside. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting when you actually realize that, that a lot of the data that we have on health is actually not about women. Anywho, I'll get off my high horse now. Um, so in these studies, uh, or, sorry, one of the studies that they uh, did with all this data was they looked at healthy people. Okay, so healthy people that didn't actually have a diagnosed cardiac problem. And what they found, I won't get into all of the ins and outs of the study, but what they found, if you want to know what the ideal amount of coffee is to have, they found that two to three cups per day led to a 10 to 15% lower risk of developing coronary heart disease, heart failure, or arrhythmias, or dying for any reason, like any reason, like having a car accident, um, 10 to 15% lower risk with two to three cups of coffee a day, which is pretty significant. And what they found within that group also is that one cup a day actually gave the best results for stroke or heart-related death. So it's... I guess when you look at data like this, it's really um, helpful if you wanted to apply it to yourself to look at what what are my risk factors, what is in my family, or if you've had genetic testing done, you know, what does that say that you may have a genetic predisposition for? And you can then take on board these studies in a way that's actually really helpful for you. Um, For example, for me, I don't have any heart disease currently. Um, However, the women in my family tend to have strokes. Uh, They tend to have atrial fibrillation, which is an arrhythmia. And so I'm kind of expecting to get that. In fact, when I was in my 30s, I used to get palpitations quite regularly. And I thought, oh, here we go. I'm going to be an early kind of onset atrial fibrillation. And I actually think now looking back, I never actually got to investigate it and I should have, but I didn't. And I actually think now that it was probably more related to anxiety at the time as it was when I was working my corporate job and I don't have that problem anymore. I haven't had it for years, probably since I left my corporate job. But anywho, yeah. So, you know, if you apply this information, um, you can, to, dependent on your health circumstances, it can be helpful. So this is, that's the results of what they found in healthy people. Two to three cups a day gave you a 10 to 15% lower risk of developing coronary heart disease, heart failure, or arrhythmias, or dying for any reason. And one cup a day gave the best results for stroke or heart related death. Now, then they looked at another group, which was people with uh, cardiovascular disease. And they found for those people, so they'd already been diagnosed 
already diagnosed with cardiovascular disease. And they found with those people, two cups a day led to lower odds of dying versus no coffee at all. So that was really interesting. Uh, Coffee intake did not increase the risk of atrial fibrillation or atrial flutter. Uh, In fact, in people with arrhythmias, of which atrial fibrillation and atrial flutter go into that category, so people with arrhythmias, coffee was associated with a decreased risk of death. So that's really cool because one of the reasons that um, they did this study is because it's been pretty common practice for doctors to recommend for people that have heart conditions to decrease their coffee because of the fact that it increases the heart rate. So this study, and again, you know, you always have to look at these things, look at what's the quality of the study, how did they set it up, are there other studies that contradict this, who sponsored this study when you're looking at this information. So this information is interesting, it adds to the body of knowledge. Obviously, if you're thinking about suddenly increasing your coffee intake, you might just want to be careful about that. And in fact, this study does actually say, please don't suddenly increase your um, coffee consumption based on the results of the study. Maybe talk to your healthcare professional about it or just go easy, slowly increase if you want to try that. Um, That's not medical advice, by the way. I don't know your individual circumstances. Feel free to reach out to me if you want some more personalized kind of advice. Um, Some question I guess you might be asking is, well, what kind of coffee, you know, is it decaf? Is it caffeinated? Is it, you know, espresso coffee, instant coffee? Well, actually, it was all coffee types that they found these benefits Um, whether it was instant coffee, ground coffee, decaf, any of the coffees, because they didn't kind of control that in the trial. They found that all coffee types had these benefits. The decaf coffee was not as effective against the arrhythmias. And so that was interesting. The other thing that was kind of interesting was, or rather that they didn't control for, was diet Um, use of milk or sugar or creamers were also not controlled for. So, you know, I guess there's a possibility that using milk or sugar or creamers, et cetera, may impact the results. That's not something that they were able to tell with this trial. So that's kind of, I think, a fairly big weakness with that trial. But Although, having said that, there's like a whole bunch of reasons why coffee benefits the heart. And the thing is, you know, when we think of coffee, the most common thing we tend to think of is caffeine, right? As I mentioned, um, you know, antioxidants are a major part of coffee and provide a huge health benefit. But in fact, there are actually over 100 biologically active compounds in a cup of coffee, which is crazy, right? 100, over 100. And these compounds can help reduce oxidative stress and inflammation, the antioxidant effect, but can also improve insulin sensitivity. And if you're a regular listener, you know I bang on a lot about insulin resistance, which can happen, can uh, be a factor in weight gain is where I often talk about it. But so 
The opposite of um, insulin resistance is insulin sensitivity. So if you can improve insulin sensitivity, that's going to have a really good impact on your ability to burn fat. It boosts your metabolism. It inhibits the gut's absorption of fat. That's really interesting. It inhibits the gut's absorption of fat. And the other thing specific to the heart is it was able to block receptors known to be involved with abnormal heart rhythms. So this is all really interesting information. And so, you know, when you're looking at your anti-aging strategies, your longevity strategies, coffee may be, there may be a reason to drink coffee and have coffee as part of that. But just remember though, I always caution about anxiety and coffee. We know that If you have too much coffee when you have anxiety, that can be a bit of a problem. And also going cold turkey off coffee can also be problematic. So if you want to reduce your coffee consumption, you should really do that quite slowly. Otherwise, you may get symptoms that are kind of similar to a panic attack, which is not great. The other thing is with regard to coffee, we've known for a while that there's a bunch of health benefits associated with it. And if, again, looking in like an from an anti-aging point of view, um, there's been some really interesting research looking at prevention of Alzheimer's disease and stroke and dementia and even post-stroke dementia, which is a particular type. Now, it's good to note when I was looking at the studies on this, if someone already has Alzheimer's, then there can actually be a deleterious effect. So it's not something you want to introduce to someone who has Alzheimer's already, but If you've got that, again, in your family, if it's something you're concerned about and you haven't been diagnosed with it and you're not showing signs of it, then having coffee may be a way that you can prevent it. There's certainly some good data to show that. So I just wanted to reassure you that there's a whole bunch of reasons to keep drinking coffee if you're already drinking it and don't worry, most healthcare professionals are not going to tell you to stop drinking your coffee. So if that's something that's blocking you from seeking health advice, particularly from a natural um, healthcare professional like myself, then please don't let that happen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thought I'd just do something a little bit different today. I'm actually decided, got a little bit inspired today, and I'm going to do a podcast shortly on the benefits of chocolate, which is one of my other favorite things. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of The Wellness Glow. I hope you loved what you heard here and are excited for the potential to improve your health and increase your lifespan. If this resonated with you, then please screenshot this podcast and share it with your friends. Hashtag The Wellness Glow Podcast. Please rate and review so I can spread the word and keep bringing you more goodness. If you're not already following me on social media, come and join me for extra extra inspiration and teachings. I do frequent updates in my Facebook group, which you can join at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the wellness globe. You can follow me on Instagram at Susie Garden Wellness or check out my website at susiegarden.com. You can download my essential eight anti-aging secrets that all women over 40 should know and check out my signature program, The Glow Protocol. I'm so excited you joined me here today and I can't wait to share the next episode with you. Until then, remember your biological age doesn't have to reflect your chronological age. And 
Anti-aging is an inside job.